Hey guys, as you know, our world is going through an unprecedented time during the COVID-19 pandemic. To strike out this virus, we, as coaches, have partnered with Fred Hutch Research Institute, who is working on the front lines to stop the spread of COVID-19. Please consider donating to hashtag coaches versus COVID, and here's a word from Hutch. Your support for Fred Hutch is a strike against COVID-19 and a step toward a healthier world. Right now, Hutch scientists with expertise in infectious disease, immunology, public health, and data science are working urgently to speed up testing, track the spread of the virus in real time, and safely test new treatments and vaccines. Your contribution to Coaches vs. COVID will help expand this urgent work. Donate now at fredhutch.org slash coaches versus COVID. Hello and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I am Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for being here. Today, we're joined by Darren Everson, hitting coordinator for the Colorado Rockies. And on the show, we talk about all things hitting. To be honest, I put Darren through the ringer on some different things, including swing prep, game planning, communication, and so much more. If you're into hitting, then you're gonna love this episode and it is so good. Here is Darren Everson. Uh, and so uh, we figured well, why not join with some of our closest friends who, uh, who would like something to do today. So we've got an awesome guest and, and Darren Everson and Darren is the hitting coordinator for the Colorado Rockies. And I've been trying to get Darren on for a long time and finally snagged him. And uh, just for today, uh, we, this will be a podcast as well. And uh, just a couple of, of housekeeping items, if you would, uh, I think that you all have seen it on Twitter. There is a Coaches versus COVID campaign going on, so if you're able to, uh, please donate. They're doing a great job at Fred Hutch trying to find a cure, or not really a cure, but, but a vaccine, and they're doing everything they, they, that they can on the front lines while we're uh, getting to talk baseball today. So uh, hats off to them and, and our first responders today. Uh, also. Uh, if you guys have any questions as we go along, I'm going to leave the leave the chat open. So if you guys have questions for uh, Darren, probably mostly, or for either of us as we go along, uh, I'll try and answer some of the, or I'll try and and get to some of those and have Darren answer those at the end. Or if it kind of works into something that we're talking about now, I'll try and work it in the, as the best I can. But uh, definitely feel free to interact because again, there's there's some guys on here that are really good. Uh, and again, thank you guys for joining us and. And thank you, Darren, for your time. But, um, but yeah, it's it's thanks thanks for coming on the show today. So um, let's go ahead and get started. So um, I, I think that that I've heard you on several different podcasts. But for our listeners, can you give us a just a really short snapshot of of how you got decided to get into coaching? Give us a little bit about your background so we can uh, get to know you a little bit better. Absolutely. Um, I, my dad was my high school coach, which uh, kind of lead leads right into. He was a t uh, coach and a teacher, high school teacher. Uh, it was good to use a chemistry teacher because I needed that in high school. Uh, but uh, as we went through, uh, I, I went to college not initially as to get my degree in teaching, but uh, as, as I went through the, the classes, I, it was more and more evident that that's what I wanted to do. So getting into the teaching side obviously gets you a little bit into the uh, coaching side naturally. And um, 
my first job actually as a as a uh, as a as a worker was as a 16 year old working with the little leaguers and then so that kind of started the whole process so let's talk about starting young it, that, that's when it started for me a lot mm -hmm. of summers doing that when I was you know wasn't in collegiate summer league so uh, a lot of summers that were were just learning the game trying to figure out how to work with kids how to figure out you know trying to take some of the stuff you learn in college into that and your different classes and then um, <clears throat> once once you actually got into the baseball world of it it was like that, that's what I want to do that's uh, I mean th this is this is fun you get to see you know you get to kind of go through and see people what they can be before they are actually there and mm -hmm. the, man this guy's got some he's got potential he's got this talent He's got this ability. Uh, how can we refine that and, and maintain that, or at least, and then try to, you know, improve the other pieces. So, mm -hmm. you know, just trying to get players to, or to help players reach, and then most, most importantly, maintain their potential. You know, everyone talks about reaching your potential, but to be able to maintain that, and over time, uh, that's you know, being great isn't being great. Being great is being good a little bit at a time, and, and continually okay. you know, bringing it over and over again. So. That's uh, that's my passion. It's uh, it's fun to it's fun to watch players do that, and then it's even more fun to watch them maintain it. No, it's fantastic, and and something that that I've been really trying to dig into lately. Uh, you know, as a high school coach, you get to be around guys a lot more uh, than than in your in pro than when you're in <clears throat> pro ball because um, for the most part, I was around our baseball players uh, all day, every day, and then at practice. So getting to know those guys a little bit better. Then you had camps. Uh, you just had more interaction with them for a longer period of time, and and that may come with with a, with a more time in pro ball with in the organization, but also trying to figure out how to get to know those guys really well, and trying to uh, figure out what makes them tick. And so I think communication is is a huge deal because for the, for a lot of the guys, it's just about refining skills. And so whenever you're whenever especially as a hitting coordinator, whenever you are looking at uh, just kind of the macro perspective on everything that's going on. How do you decide uh, where to start? And uh, then we'll get into the communication piece behind that. Yeah, I think, I think communi the communication piece is actually a big part of, of that right from the start, you know? Um, so it's kind of intertwined. So actually let's try to separate them a little bit is, is uh, you, you could, I suppose in a category, you could do this and then you could do that, whatever, but, I think it comes down to asking the, the, the right type of questions, okay. you know, getting that, getting the hitter, getting the player to talk. I don't, it doesn't matter if it's a pitcher. I was a high school coach for, I had high school coach for three years when I was teaching for seven <clears throat> and, you know, to be, be able to go through the process of finding out what's important to them, what concerns them, what makes them nervous. Um, and instead of asking those questions directly, you can ask a lot of questions around the horn that just kind of bring you to the right answer or bring you to the answer that you're trying to find out of, um, you know, having that piece be important. Uh, and then I tell you what, I, did, I was not a reader in the college high school. I was not a journal guy at all, but I, I, I have journal books all over my office here just, um, from years of coaching and anytime that I found something that I, that I knew I had. Uh, with, a, with a guy or had to remember or tried to remember to bring into the next workout or, or even down the road, ask how his family's doing. Maybe he's, he's got some families that's, that's uh, gone through some stuff or gone through some illness or whatever, being able to talk with that and make it personal and, 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 and really be, a, you know, just a friend to them as you're going through the process of trying to make them better baseball players. So 
uh, giving them someone to talk to, an outlet. There's plenty of guys. We've had a lot of conversations of non-baseball stuff, and that that's when that starts happening. The communication is great. The uh, the trust factor starts uh, getting stronger, and you're able to not only talk about baseball and and, and get that buy-in with that and through that, but you are able to build a friend. There's plenty of guys that have even gone through and, and been released and all that stuff from players and, and other guys that are in the big leagues that we can sit down and maybe not even talk about baseball for 20 minutes and then just talk about mm-hmm. the family because of the background and everything that you, you kind of go through. So really right. diving in to figure out what your players are going through, who they are, what they're, what's important to them, I think is a big part. I love that. And, and something that you, that you mentioned that I really like, it's also what makes them nervous. Because I think that's, a, yeah. you know, fear is a, is a motivator in itself. And so uh, thinking to me, okay, so I'm out from outside of pro ball and I'm working with guys who have been in it. And the last thing I want to do is go, go up to them and go, hey, what makes you nervous, right? As, as being yeah. the first thing. So how do you work up to that? Or are there any kind of probing questions that you ask that kind of gives you a, an idea of what they're afraid of? Because a lot of them, I mean, are afraid of so many different things, but at the end of the day, I think fear drives us all in different directions. And so you, sure. I, I really like that you said that. So kind of take us through, uh, through that process. Yeah. I mean, the process of, you know, trying to make it open-ended questions, any open-ended question, even, Hey, what are you feeling there? Uh, Hey, when, when, as you're warming up, what are you really trying to, what are you locking into? What are you, what are you getting into? with your mind, where are you putting yourself? Uh, mm-hmm. Are you, are you trying to gather yourself into being where your feet are at, which I think is one of the best quotes of all time, you know, be where your feet are at because you know, there's so many, so many things going on. You have a one and a half year old, I have three teenagers. And as we're going through our daily process, it's like, Oh man, they got all kinds of things going on, which mm-hmm. creates us having things going on, but to be able to dive in and, and be where we are at and understand that, only thing that really matters right now for this split second or this these minutes is that I am where my feet are at. I'm ready to ask him questions and hopefully lead into the questions. So something like, you know, how's your family doing? Or, you know, how many brothers and sisters do you have? Do you have that? Do you, uh, you know, finding out more about them, any details that can help you because you're going to tie into your family situation and your, what you have gone through and, um, oh, I've been through that before. That's interesting. You say that, you know, and then make that be a, a piece that you go on to. And, and if you're doing that in the cage, which is a great situation, that's our classroom setting, right? That in the field is our classroom setting or even, even a whiteboard sometimes in the classroom setting. But it's, um, you know, being able to then bring that into a conversation later on down the road to, to really dive in and not just to have the information, but to actually dive into learning about your player and caring about the player. Uh, understand that that uh, if you show them love, man, they're they're going to be there in terms of the trust for you. And and uh, like I said, those relationships I have with guys that have moved on from the game or that are still in the game, uh, to be able to have that conversation with the guys, it's it's a uh, it's great. Number one, it's very really rewarding, and it helps. Uh, they trust you. Like if they're away from on a different team or something's going on, and they say, "Hey, man, I need to talk about this or this." Maybe it's baseball, maybe it's not. But those those. Uh, open-ended questions that get them talking, I think is the most important thing because it's, it allows them whether they are a talker or not a talker. Um, you, you know what I'm talking about there? Cause there's guys right. that love to talk. I mean, there's Absolutely. other guys that, that really do not like talking, 
But if you get them talking about themselves and their family, that type of stuff, generally you get to get a pretty good idea where they're coming from. Something that, that I've really enjoyed uh, is because we get to work with so many guys from so many different cultures and, and whether you're in pro ball, high school or college, you, you kind of get a lot of that. But uh, one that we really, that I've really enjoyed asking about is food because we all, I mean, we all like to eat, right? And I'm a foodie. I, I don't know if, if you do that one either, but I've got like this laundry list of just Latin cuisine that my wife and I are trying to cook right now just because it's, it's like, okay, so I get to understand the culture. You got to understand the food a little bit, right? That's true. Cause some of this stuff is just, uh, it is a different, uh, it's a different, uh, taste bud or whatever, however right. you want to put it oh, out there. It. But it's, Absolutely. it's, um, you know, even going to the DR as many times as I've been over to the DR seeing what they serve, what they, what they lay out for their players. And they even try to, you know, they try to put a little American food in there as well, but, uh, mm-hmm. to, to see what, what, what their base is, you know, obviously the rice and beans and, and, and mm-hmm. different types of pollo and different types of, Every time, every time I go through that line, man, I try to, I, I try everything at least once to oh, yeah. kind of what you're talking about, you know, because, mm-hmm. and then it's like, okay, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> how do you say it? And it's yeah. like, okay. Um, and you know, and get, like, get that relationship over there when they come over to the States, then it's mm-hmm. like, the, you know, you, you've already kind of created, if you're trying, <clears throat> if you're trying to figure out who they are, where they're coming, where they came from. And one of the biggest things I talk about and I've talked about with multiple different places is just the filters. We don't know the filters that our players have, mm-hmm. you know, not unless we've had some conversation with them and, and try to figure out exactly um, how information might be going through their brain mm-hmm. and will it be able to stick. And that comes, that's not just baseball. That's just everything. You know, we, we need to learn how, how players learn. And mm-hmm. um, the filters that they cre- they've created from since they were two years old into where they are, are at now has everything to do with how they're going to filter information that you're trying to give them and trying to get into their um, toolbox, right? Mm-hmm. And so to have that be part of the the process, I think is a huge, huge deal. Right, right, and. I think that, uh, that for those listening, a lot of a lot of them are high school teachers, and so they understand uh, the different the you know the learning styles which you mentioned, but also uh, a couple of things that if you're not a, te- a high school teacher, that's something that's really important. I think that's been around long mm-hmm. enough to where uh, most everybody knows. But also, mm-hmm. I think backwards planning is something that's really really <clears throat> important that not a lot of people do. Yeah. Uh, and then getting it down from okay, here's here's what the end should look like, and then I'm going to backwards plan from there. But also uh, scaffolding, uh, which is which is another teacher term, but it's something that man, it's it's helped me so much. the The minute I decided to become a better teacher in the classroom is the minute that I became a much much better coach because I took the pressure off myself from being like the facilitator and put it on everybody else, and that's what I started do doing on the field, and and I absolutely love that. and And uh, actually, one of the guys I was going to mention this too. One of the guys that's on uh, uh, the the listening to the podcast right now, I uh, had on a couple of weeks ago, uh, Matt Borkschulte, and he talked about finding coins on guys, like finding mm-hmm. different things. And I think that that's a term that, that has been thrown around, but that's something that resonated with me. And so whenever you're asking all of these questions, I make a conscious effort now to write it down because it, it's something that, that like, again, I don't know these guys very well, but if I, if I see them around the complex or walking around, I at least have something to ask them about next time I see them. So I'm not like the awkward guy that just gives a fist bump and walks away. Um, yeah. Because again, yeah. no matter where you're at, we all have different, different um, 
different challenges, but that's one of getting to know that many guys in a small amount of time. Uh, but for you being the hitting coordinator, so you, you are, uh, I guess the best way to describe as a, what a coordinator does, because I didn't, I didn't, I had no idea. Um, they coach the coaches and then the coaches are more in charge of the players. So you have this, this macro vision of, okay, these are the things that we need to do. And you may include them in that or not, but you have to teach the coaches what's important to the Rockies organization. What do those conversations look like? Uh, how did you decide on your core values? Uh, how do you deviate? But I mean, cause you're, cause it's an awkward position. They're your colleagues, but at the same time, you're in charge of the minor league system as far as hitters go. So uh, you're several years into it now, but, but how does that, how has that changed over time? And just kind of walk through, walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, I want as many teachers as we can have, right? We have teachers in our, in, in our, in our corner, we have a chance to be really good. Mm -hmm. um, and with that being said, the collaboration piece is the biggest, most important thing. First thing I did when I got, when I, when I got the job three years ago was I got together with all of our hitting coaches and talked about what's important to them. Uh, asked, uh, had, had several questionnaires on this is, a, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to just force my information or my thoughts on people. And I think okay. that if you're a teacher and you care and you love on your players, the baseball stuff, we can, we can help you with as we go through the process. Um, but those are the three, the things that are really important to me. And, and how can we then uh, dive in and, and work on work with this player, work with that player, trying to get them better. So it does go macro to micro for sure. Um, we try to have a spring training meetings as much as we can as we're because we're all together it's one of the few the only right. times that we're all together right we were together for a little bit this year um but just having you know we have our big meeting and then we'll have a small little meetings potentially and, and just the process of of talking about the players talking about how the day went the day before how are they doing uh, are we all in on this and, and having separate meetings on that but the collaboration piece it's huge uh the mm -hmm. ability to um get everyone's ideas put it on paper and then go forward I think is a big big piece so um I'm you know really happy with how we kind of did that process because there's probably there's probably lots of different ways to do this job right there's probably mm -hmm. you can throw it on people and just here we go 100 miles an hour but uh I really I think we did a good job of trying to get people together a lot of support from the front office mm -hmm. um and, and and that together helps create exactly who what we're trying to be and who we're trying to be as we go into uh going to battle with the games. I really like that a lot. And, and again, it's a whole another conversation. <clears throat> it's one conversation whenever guys are like, yeah, I love that. Like the, the players. So they're like, Darren, then this is, this is awesome. And then it's another one. And whenever they're like, I don't know, like trying to get that buy-in is, is something that, <clears throat> that you've done your homework and you think that this is the best for the player. You're not flying by the seat of your pants and you're not just looking at, at three swings and going, Hey, you need to make this huge change. Uh, because at the end of the day, the players had their swing like that and had been wildly successful because they're getting paid to play the game. Uh, but you're also there to uh, facilitate and help. And so you're trying to mix those two because, again, they, they have, they, they've been their own best hitting coach for their entire life. Uh, they've, they're the, the only one who has seen every single swing that they've ever taken and felt it. And so whenever you're trying to make some changes, whether that be big ones or small ones, what does that conversation uh, look like, sound like, and how do you get guys to buy in that maybe are hesitant at first? Sure. Um, 
well, that happens, right? Uh, we're all human and we all have our ways and we get set in them. And, and, and people that have success, you know, some of the, some of the success things, if I have success my first two years, but there, you know, you know, as a coach, if there's something down the road that's coming that we may need to, to make an adjustment on, it is about, for me, uh, trying to collect as much objective data, uh, as, as much, uh, facts, you know, this, this is something that's for real, not that we need to do anything with it right now, but just down the road, you know, something to think about and maybe they'll absorb it right away. Um, maybe they'll, you know, blow you off a little bit and that's fine. I mean, we, we want them to be their best hitting coach, right? We want, we talk about that all the time. Uh, some people talk about, you know, almost <clears throat> getting to a point where we're kind of eliminating our, our job in terms of the thought process to allow them to just be very aware and very uh, on, you know, in tune to what they need. And so allowing that to still be a part of it <clears throat> and then see if we can help them as much as possible and lead them right down that down the right direction, kind of being the guardrails on that on that highway that's going right. 70, 80 miles an hour. Can we help them get them in the right direction without making it something that is, um, you know, totally different or totally um, off the wall of what they think? And that's where it comes down to the filters you have, right? You know mm -hmm. how they think. You you know how they actually go about it. Um, and a lot of it starts with hey try this. I got to, you know, I was looking at this and this was happening. I want you to just try this and they may absolutely hate it and that's okay. But maybe you've introduced it for something that you can, you can dive into and things go, if things go sideways or down the road a little bit um, and put that in your notes. Um, I use this sucker right here. This, this phone is one of the best tools you have out there, right? For video, but also I use my notes package so, so much. It overloads my, it overloads my phone. Mm -hmm. I have like 400 different separate sections of, of notes in there, uh, all from different times. You know, I, I was a big journal writer in terms of having a notebook in my hand, but I always have that camera and I always have that phone in my hand. So I try to tend to use that when, when uh, I need to write something down now. So uh, the technology piece, you know, use it. It's, uh, it's good. But, you know, when people aren't buying in, it's, it's a matter of trying to figure out maybe why they don't want to buy it. And the, after you figured all that stuff out and you, you're either going to be able to move on with what you think might be important or the numbers say is important or not, then you have to, you have to support them. You know, you can't be all oh, that guy's not a listener. That guy's not this or not that. Um, we need to make sure that we're still supporting them, loving them and, and trying to make them as good as they possibly can uh, on a day to day to day to day basis, get them to repeat mm -hmm. their day. No, I love that. And, and I was actually, whenever you mentioned, uh, being the guardrails, I was reading an article uh, yesterday that they did over the Dodgers system, and and they had Justin Turner talking about the culture because they they allow uh, they don't have very many rules, and he said that they are just bumpers. And for some reason, I, I thought of that whenever you were talking about that because I thought that was really good. And, and coming from a guy who's as well respected as that, as as you've got this entire lane, but if you get to the side or one to one or another, then we're there to help you. And so I took that as a as a teacher and a coach. But another question that, that comes up that's, you know, that, that I think we have all dealt with is, is how long do we give uh, changes before we scrap them and try something different? And it's something that it's always a, a really tough balance because anytime that we get, our brain likes to go on autopilot and our brain likes to be in a state of like homeostasis of where it doesn't want to be uncomfortable. It just wants to save energy and it wants to do what we've always done. And anytime we do something even a little bit different, 
it's going to just kind of freak out a little bit. And that's how we learn. But also we have to balance that with, okay, this isn't the right thing for the player. And so how, how long do you give it? Uh, what does that conversation look like? I mean, is it instantaneous? Is it not? Do you give it a week? Do you give it a month? Do you give it a, I, I mean, I just, I'm curious on your thoughts on that. Yeah. I'm going to give you a real general answer because it's so much of it. It, with a lot it of depends. things, you get, when you get questions like that, is it depends. <laughs> um, it has been proven that you do not need. There's no such thing as muscle memory, so there, mm-hmm. you don't need um, a thousand reps on something to then. Oh, now we're ready. Now we're really ready to put it into a game, right? There's stuff that we've used with guys, and I'm sure you use with guys that they did it that day, and they said, "You know what? I'm going to take that in the game." And you're like, "All right, cool." You know, yeah. just trust your feel. <laughs> um, but the, the the whole piece with that is can they can they go in and trust what's, what's going on? Um, can they separate what's going on in the cage and in BP or early work, that type of stuff, and what's going on when they go compete? And uh, as you know, I talk about this all the time. I think there's a huge um, there's a huge separation that we have to have with swing prep and uh, hitting results and, and just hitting in general, is it a hitting drill with decisions and time constraints and all that stuff? Or is it an actual swing prep thing? Well, we're taking our time. We're working on a field. We're working on trying to get you to be a little bit better here and there. And is the feel actually coming through? So if it doesn't come through what they're, what they're feeling, that's okay. If it's all if the swing prep is what we're working on. If it is something that you're, really trying to you're starting here and you're trying to get to this point and you you've made some you made them uncomfortable right within their swing prep um i think one of the ways you can get buy-in is okay here's the deal for seven five minutes we are going we're going to try this we're going to try this angle we're going to try uh this over the top i'm not a big underhand flip guy okay Okay. we're going to try this over the top on this specific drill with angle with the heavy bat we're going to see what you you know, and you start adding a little pieces to it. And you go, oh, hey, let's try it with this. And they may hate it right away, but if you come back to it a day two, day or two later and it's part of their swing prep and you remind them it's a swing prep, not so much, hey, this is how I want you to go in the batter's box and hit. Um, those are two totally different things. I think we get jumbled up with that. And I'm not a big hitting Twitter guy. Uh, I mm-hmm. follow a lot of people that I respect, but it's more um, I want to get ideas on how to say things, almost the same stuff. Same things, just a little bit differently. Um, and I think that we can get caught up in the, all these swing things that people talk about, and then they try to get them to get forced into the game, right? If they can't feel it in the swing prep, there's no way they're going to allow, like you talked about, be a natural and just let it flow in the game. Mm-hmm. So that that piece, that process of getting them to feel it, and that's, you know, you deal with that a lot. I deal with that with my 17-year-old son right now. He's at a level where he can, he can really t- take some big steps. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, I don't want you to move on on this uh, drill until you feel what we're trying to feel here. If you don't feel it, we'll keep doing it. We're not going to overdo it, but I want you to feel it so you can feel it when you get in the on-deck circle and there's no one there but you and the pitcher. When you put your cleats in the dirt, man, it's about time to compete. It is about time to go hit. And all the other swing-type stuff needs to go away. Maybe you have your one or two last final reminders before you get in that batter's box. But when you get in the batter's box, man, you can't be thinking about, man, if I, if I really do this, uh, <laughs> if I, if I, whatever, if, if I'm mm-hmm. attacking with my lead, 
my lead hand or if I'm trying to keep my back hand to the sky or, or whatever it is. I you can't think that and hit 94 with sinker cut and movement along with the, the rest of the arsenal that the pitcher's got. So taking those and separating those two things are huge. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a piece that I think has really helped our guys and, and uh, understanding that it's different. It's not the same thing. We have to, whatever you do, you have to go compete with your cleats in the dirt. Okay. Talk to us about your swing prep a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, it's different for a lot of guys, right? Um, one of the one of the things that are pretty cool is it's so different for guys. It all depends on their own needs, right? There's some guys that have very intensive or extensive uh, um, PVC pipe stuff where they really believe that that's really important. I, I, there's a handful of PVC things that I really think are good, and I think there's a, a lot of PVC pipes our pipe drills that I think are really like they're I guess they're comfort drills for the players. And if it works, Hey, if it makes them feel good and it makes them comfortable and it allows them to get a feel that they're trying to feel and that goes into the next part of maybe they're doing some, uh, maybe they have a heavy bat uh, uh, routine. Maybe they are a heavy bat first round BP guy, uh, which I'm, I'm in on. Um, maybe they are uh, different T type drills. Um, I'm not, uh, I think T is important. I think how you use a T is, is huge. I think it's a big piece of, of how you're training and teaching your body how to move in the batter's box because it can create as many um, poor movements as it can good movements, especially if you keep, keep swinging off the T over and over and over again. That's what makes me a little, not, not nervous, but just more aware of watching guys hit now is, uh, you know, seeing what they look like off an arm or a flip or whatever and say, Hey, have you been taking a lot of swings off a tee? You know, you're kind of diving, you're, you're losing your forward posture. You're really, you're really diving with your lead shoulder and you have, when there's no time constraint, man, you can get out of it. You, you can find a way to make the ball look good. Um, and so that's, that's an important piece too, is really is finding <clears throat> what helps them move athletically all the time and repeat it in the batter's box. That is what is going to show up at hopefully at 705. Uh, if you're if you're doing a bunch of drills and it's hand drills and it's top hand and it's shorthand and it's choke up with a full bat and it's this one and it's a fungo drill and it's they have 19 different things which we've had a couple guys like that we all have right they want to try everything which is great but as you start winding in we always try to talk about all right use that funnel right now we, we can't have you we don't want 25 minutes on a, a daily basis of 140 games of you having to go in and do this full report on your brain for 25 minutes. What can you do? Get in. What do, what's really truly important to you? And when you feel it, when you feel good with what you're doing, when you're swing prep, then move on to the next thing. You don't need 18 different reps of this drill or that drill if you know you got it. You, you don't need to hit 16 line drives to the top corner of the of the cage if you know you can do it in three and you feel what you're feeling. That's something that comes with maturity because, again, it, it's, sure. I, I've only had a very short period uh, in <clears throat> professional baseball and noticing how older guys went about their business versus younger guys who are trying to impress, uh, completely different. So tell us a, a little bit about that dynamic. Oh, that, that's, that's real. That's real. My first time I was at the Rockies, uh, in double A and had, we had a lot of kids that were up from high A ball and watching their routines, putting the ball on the tee for them, doing their flips, doing their routines, watching them through spring training and having them go through their process and, and it still happens today, but this is just my first year with the Rockies. Is mm-hmm. you know, once we got closer to in-season stuff, it was like, hey, all right, 
no, no more of this five to six rounds of seven to ten swings mm-hmm. where you're coming in and each time you're trying something new because it works for Johnny Appleseed over here or it works for Damon over here. You, you don't need to try everything. Now, if you want to try something and we have time to, to do it and it's not within the realm of I have 15 hitters or 12 hitters coming in in a 40-minute in a block, which I'm sure right. you, you'll, you'll yeah. be seeing oh, and yeah. feeling. Uh, it's like what what's most important to you and move on from what 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 you is just kind of your comfort drill i would love i i I love our guys that have swing prep stuff that is really short like they need to they know they need to feel two or three things and then go right into some challenge drills right into some hitting drills right into some things that make them make decisions that uh, give them time constraints even even a even a slower v-load machine with angle that just helps them feel um, that type of stuff I think is important because the more we can, it's tough to make this to practice game like, right? As you right. know, and mm-hmm. and the more we can find different unique ways to to accomplish that and have that feeling happen for us, uh, for them, um, it helps them. Anytime you can make a good decision or have or or a bad decision and then learn from it and have feedback, that, that's when you can get better with your fleet around the seven five because that's going to carry over for sure, and and they can bring that process through. Okay. If that happens. So now I need to try to feel this or to, if, if I feel like I'm losing my posture, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to step out of the box. I'm going to whatever I'm going to do with my shoulders. I'm going to step back, take my breath, get my feel of what I'm looking at and then mm-hmm. get back in there and let it go automatically and not get into this. Oh my, I got to do this, this, this with my hands. I got, Oh, I got to move. And by the time you get ready to hit, the balls and the catcher's mitt while you're still trying to take your swing. That happens a lot with, like, I really got to see the ball well tonight, right? If I mm-hmm. see the ball well, I'm going to be fine, and you're seeing it so good, and then the ball's in the glove, and you're like, oh, man, I'm killing people in the dugout over there because I'm so late because I have so many things going on, and the, the messages from my brain, from my eyes to the brain to the body, just the, every time you think you have different thoughts, man, you start getting – it just bogs it down. And so I, I kind of – what in a circle there with the answer, oh, I love but, it. Uh, all that stuff is huge. Well, and, and another thing that, uh, that you mentioned is adding decisions in practice. Uh, you said you didn't like necessarily flips or uh, T work, but if it's part of their swing prep, then you didn't mind it. But tell us, tell us a little bit about, uh, how to help our players make better decisions or making a decision in general in practice. Yeah, you can do with tees. Uh, <clears throat> I love guys that use different uh, adaptations with tees. Two T drill, where they you call in out and take, and they have to make a decision on on what's going on. You have a partner making up the call, and they they and this I love about that is the first the importance of the first move. You know, you make your you, you they make the first move, and then the partner or coach says in out or take, and they have to learn how to stop. They have to learn how to adjust to get to the inside pitch, and or be on time for the inside pitch, and then adjust and get to the outside pitch. And so I, I, like I said, tees are great. You just got to be, watch what you're doing. I think it's really important to videotape your tee work because if you don't feel it, if you're by yourself, you can see, or you can send it to someone and say, Hey, what, how's this look? Um, and right away, guys that have that eye can go up. Well, it's fine with, with, uh, with no time constraint, but you're going to see if we can do this. Let's see if we can visualize that picture. Let's see if I can get my eyes up here begin my move and start moving into a situation where I'm actually getting into a great position to hit number one, and then fire from that position. Um, I think those things are, are important. 
Uh, I think that, uh, you know, any time that you can shorten a screen, if they're used to a certain distance and you can shorten a screen, I think it's great okay. because it jumps on them, right? It's, and you don't, as coaches, we love to think that we throw the best BP and we do this and we do that, right? And, but mm-hmm. to do it with angle, uh, the ball never comes in straight in, right? So the, to mm-hmm. do it with an angle, to move a screen in even up three feet and you're, you're having your normal, your normal arm stroke and going through, we can't spin the ball like a machine, right? We'd love to think we could probably, but we can't spin the ball like a machine. So to put even even to put a machine at short distance and, and do that, I think is is a, a good battle, a good swing decision talk. And then when they when things don't go well in terms of their decision, or they make a great decision on take, especially you put some count count based items in there. It's one zero count, and they swing at this pitch that's right on the black. It's a pitcher's pitch, and they tap it to, back to the pitcher or the shortstop. And that is, that's when the teaching begins, right? That's when, Hey, what'd you see there? What'd you feel there? Okay. That's a pitch. If you can lay off that and just trust yourself going, going to one, one count, he, the chance of him making that exact same pitch is, is very minimal to zero. And he's going to make a mistake, whether it's a hanging change up slider or even a fastball that kind of gets up over, over the plate now. And now you got a better opportunity to hit. Um, those, those are swing decisions that, that I think are, are the most important. How do you get from one count to the next count and how you're taking it? Because the pitcher doesn't like that either, right? Mm-hmm. They make a pitch, you're like, oh, okay, I know where I can go to get this guy out. That's how pitchers talk these days, right? I know that right. that is my cold zone for him. I can go there, and if I can, if I can locate even a little bit, doesn't even matter what the pitch is. Mm-hmm. Chances are he's not going to hurt me. Where can't he hurt me? Our pitching coaches talk about that a lot, right? And if you learn how to take that pitch that you know you can't do anything with, now the pitcher's going, dang, I, need hit, I needed him to get him out himself out on that pitch. Now I got to repeat it again. And that's when the arm side misses come. That's when the miss comes over the hole, over the plate. And uh, we have better opportunities. So I, I celebrate and uh, we celebrate. Uh, great takes on borderline pitches, even on a strike. I think they're huge. And anything that, that helps with count-based stuff can definitely help with your swing decision stuff and, and create more awareness for the player. Cool. I think, and I think another step uh, towards that is, is uh, having them to develop a plan and approach of, of what they're trying to see uh, in the game or just you know what they do best. And so it, it's something that I, I think – Sometimes it can be beat over the head with, hey, you got to have an approach. Uh, you got to have a game plan. And I, I think that that's one of those. It's like, uh, what does that even mean? Like some players are like, I, Coach, I, I, this happened to me. And I, I'm like, hey, you got to have an approach for this. And he's like, what? I don't even know what that means. Like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about with having an approach in this different situation. And it changes, changes with runners on, time in the game, pitcher that you're going to see. But just, uh, do you, especially as a coordinator, do you kind of have, uh, how do you teach an approach? Uh, maybe it's a general one. Maybe it's based on what they're good at. Maybe you bucket them. Uh, but how do you go about teaching an approach based on uh, just really an unlimited amount of factors? Yeah, and it, you can make it really complicated, right? <clears throat> as you go through, there's, we have so much information. You can make it complicated. We, our job as coaches and coordinators is to make something that's really, really tough and complicated and, and a lot of different moving parts and make it simple. That's what hitting, that's what being a hitting coach I think is really about Absolutely. a lot of it. Um, and 
even to the high school level, right? Where you get the high school coaches, which we were both at, and, and, and understanding, hey, Johnny, now listen, this guy will throw you pitches up in the zone. Are you a good high ball hitter? No. All right, so you have to have the pitch discipline and the, the ability to have discipline to see the ball down. When you see it down, and, and you, then you have to give them the, the little, uh, little information like, hey, even if it's down and that's your strength and it's early in the count and you chase something down but you saw it down and that's why you went after it, you know, we're good. You went after your plan, your plan and your approach. doesn't matter pro ball, high school, whatever level you want to talk about is – and hopefully the player understands what he's good at, right? We have in pro ball, we have all kinds of numbers and, and hot zones and cold zones that we can show people and, and dance with that. And and even our players in pro ball don't really understand truly like, wow, that surprised me because I thought I went the other way so well, but really there was all those pitches that are kind of middle to middle inish that I go well that right. way with. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to attack that zone and see what happens and, and really try to spit on the pitch that he's getting me to ground out the short on. Um, and that can be, that can be layered all the way through different levels of baseball. Like, what are you good at? First of all, what, what is my, what is this hitter good at? Write it down, help them figure it out. Uh, if they don't know, prove it to them in BP. (laughs) Sure. You could even prove it to them in a flip. We've all had plenty of guys that, uh, you know, that jam themselves up on flips or jam themselves up on Mm -hmm. a short seated screen. Absolutely. And it's like, okay. What did what just happened right there? We just went. I didn't say a word. We went four pitches in a row. We went middle in, not even in, just middle in, and you totally rearrange your shoulder action and compensated to get to that ball. Is your body comfortable getting to that pitch? And hopefully the answer is no, right? Hopefully they have some awareness on that and said, all right, if that is if that's your area that we need to work on, then let's work on your strength here too and understand that here's your strength, here's your hot zone. Only fire on those pitches. Even if you see a strike on the middle inside that you think, oh, I should be able to hit that out. Well, right now, you're not ready for that. We'll, we'll work on that in your swing prep. We'll try to get that a little bit cleaner. And that, like I said, doesn't matter the level. Pro ball where we're at now, but it's like high school level, college level, all that stuff, uh, the higher little league levels. What are you good at? And attack zones in that zone because – or attack pitches in that zone because that – proves out that that's where you can do your biggest damage. So that's the, mm-hmm. that right there starts the initial approach, initial plan. And then the pitcher, what he's got, will have something to say about it too. Cause he, you know, they have a, they have a, they're able to say something about your uh, success level too, because they're the ones mm-hmm. pitching the ball. So what, what does a conversation look like whenever the pitcher strengths are opposite of the hitter mm-hmm. strengths? Because it's, it's like, man, if we could overlay our heat map, uh, versus the pitchers that or the pitches that the pitcher throws best in his zones, I'm like, oh, that's easy. Okay, so just swing at what he's going to throw you most. Uh, but it's hard whenever the pitcher strengths are opposite of what the hitter's strengths are. And then which of those? I like what's that conversation look like? Well, I, I kind of liken it to facing the best dudes out there, right? So it, it can be it can be it can be you're facing the dudes like the best in in. Are in the big leagues or the best in the league that you're in or the best in the high school league that you're in. You, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a high school player and you're, you're facing that dude that's, that's projected to be in the top five rounds and he's 92 to 94 mm-hmm. and everyone else in your league throws 78, <clears throat> and that's the one dude you're going to see, you need to understand that there's some things that are, aren't probably in play that day. 
Yeah. Uh, there's probably like your home run, whatever number, big old swing that you think you can take and do that with. Chances are you need to shorten something up. Maybe it's shortening it up men- mental, shortening it up mentally more than physically. But thinking, okay, this guy's got this, and and he's he throws hard, and I'm going to have to uh, understand that a single, a hard single to center field, a hard single to my off gap might be the best situation for me in today until we can get this cat out of the game. <laughs> and then you can go back to your, your strengths and all that stuff and still trusting your strengths, man. They, you're still should be hunting that area. But um, if he's, you know, if there's 90% of the time, he doesn't come to that area, which we could find out when, in pro ball. Right. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a high school college coach, you're, you're hoping to, and in college, you can see the same things, but um, you're hoping that, okay, there, that's where he tends to be. I need to put my best swing on a pitch that isn't quite the black. Maybe it's like middle away. And I, that I need to see it a little more middle, a little more up potentially. And I need to find a way to be athletic, get my best swing off that, uh, that works for that day against that pitcher, not just getting your best swing off and, and trying to swing, but mm-hmm. to get through there, compete your butt off and uh, understand that it's a one-on-one battle that today's a good battle. Today, today's a defining battle. What can I do against this guy? The home run double piece maybe isn't in play. I'm going to hit a line drive straight up the middle, which works for almost every situation. I really like that. And again, it's it's something that, that I think we as coaches have all gone through, and that's how to take all of the information that we have and simplify it. And and this has been a recent uh a recent revelation for me within the past like year or two. It's like no player ever said, Hey, I love this coach because he, he made it more complicated for me. Right. <laughs> he says that they made it simpler for me to understand. So I didn't have to think about anything other than, Hey, we're going to beat the pitcher. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that that's, I love that you're talking about making it simple, but also we've got the added. Um, and I think that this is a really cool advantage that we have but it's also something that's really hard is we have players that speak different languages, right? Mm -hmm. And so keeping it simple for an American kid is really, is not as easy for somebody else. And for those listening who don't have that, you could just take it as, Hey, they've got different learning styles, right? Or this kid has a really hard time, even in school. uh, He he may have some, some different uh, learning difficulties in certain areas. And so being able to do that, but, for me, let's let's say that you're coaching me up on this. Hey, Gilner, you gotta you gotta stop talking over their heads. Like you gotta help help them make it simple. Help me out. Uh, what advice would you give me? Yeah, especially with the the Spanish. Um, number one, try, man. Mm-hmm. Try to learn what they're saying. I think the cue words that you can find out and talk about taking notes, <laughs> taking the notes and and writing down, even if it's, even if you're spelling it wrong or even if it's okay, so that's what that means. Okay. And, and asking the, asking the guys that are bilingual and saying, okay, what, how do I actually, do I say this? What, what's mm-hmm. the best way to say this? There's even what different ways to say, do you understand and actually be like saying it the right way and then saying it in a way that's kind of condescending and that type of stuff is like, that's the important stuff is, is it's the filters that they have. Right. But when, when players uh, that are all, you know, for the most part, Spanish speakers, and you're trying to make that attempt to understand, number one, their language, number two, how to put it into a baseball setting, and maybe number three, trying to learn that, uh, you know, 
you know, I have, I have Spanish books back here. I have the, I have the translations from phrases to mm-hmm. uh, in baseball yeah, yeah. to Spanish to English and all that stuff. Um, the Duolingo, mm-hmm. uh, the Kino, I mean, all the stuff that's out there that is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, until you're actually really engaged with it in terms of doing it day to day to day to day, oh, yeah. some of that stuff can, at least from my brain, can kind of go away. And the best thing that happened to me in my second year of pro ball as a coach <clears throat> was I was in charge of the extended program. And with the Marlins, we were very dominated with Latino players. So it was either, it was kind of sink or swim. Like uh, that's when I really dove in. And for about the two year process there, I mean, my Spanish or, or Spanglish, like I like mm-hmm. to try to say, was really pretty good. Like I could have a conversation with them about non-baseball stuff for a little bit too, as we go forward and mm-hmm. go through it. And then as you go away from it, you don't use it as much. Then you kind of lose it a little bit. And now I'm just constantly trying to find more ways to, to, to get it in there. And I'm always writing down different phrases mm-hmm. of how, um, number one, does, does this even translate? And some stuff doesn't right. translate. And, and, right. and, and or, or it's, you, you say something that's real short in, in English and it, it takes a long time to actually get that translated because it doesn't translate very well. So the context of information behind it is important. But when the players know that you're at least trying, like, hey, man, I'm trying to get this Spanish down. Um, the other thing is that most of our players are very visual learners, right? So if you've got them right. in, your, in our yep. classroom, where we're able – we have them, our classrooms, a cage in the field, right, and you're trying to help them make a move or trying to get something to be felt a certain way show them the move and they oh okay and then try and they'll try that and the best part best thing obviously is to have um, a bilingual either older guy or, or coach with you at the same time and I, I try to tell them hey let me try and if I'm if I'm not doing if I'm going down the wrong path of verbiage here help me out because I want to make sure I'm in the right path and then I'll write that stuff down and try to make that even better for the next time so um, it's a challenge but it's a challenge that if you're trying and if you're trying to give effort to to understand their culture, their language, their all that stuff, I think it's really important for uh, buy-in and really important for you guys to have a great relationship. <clears throat> I love that. And, uh, you know, success leads clues. And I think that, that not that you're not original, but I think that that's been a common theme uh, throughout most of the guests that I've, that I've mm-hmm. asked that. And um, so let's, let's go ahead and get into some, some questions from the sidebar. Uh, number one, and this kind of walks into what we've been talking about is do the Rockies have like a core value system of what they believe in as far as how the swing should look or how you should move or just like if, if you were going to break it down to a couple of pillars, obviously those which you can share, uh, what, what would those be? Yeah, I, I would say that um, with stuff that we can share, I, I, I'm, I'm more, we are more on is an athletic move is there is there something are you moving in the batter's box with athleticism and are you able to actually make that happen in terms of can you can you make it happen in all the different levels if you're a t guy you do it off t can you do it on flips can you do it with with, with an angle can you do it off a machine when does the move start breaking down um and each guy's so different i don't think there's a cookie cutter way to do this so it's it's everyone is different. Everyone has their hands in different positions. Everyone has their, their, um, we try to get their mind and vision similar mm-hmm. in terms of, Hey, we're going to try to do this, this, and this, 
trying to make sure that uh, we, we give our, our we're moving forward and we're actually tracking baseballs and we're trying to make good pitch decisions, swing mm-hmm. decisions as we go forward. But the process of, hey, we're going to make sure that you guys are all uh, 10 degrees slightly open. We're going to make sure that your shoulder is working in this position. We're going to make sure that your lower half does this or this or this. Everyone is so different and has different restrictions sometimes with what their body can do. And some of them even have compensations that they've been doing for nine years. And that's what's helped them get to where they're at, whether they're in the big leagues or minor leagues or college guy or whatever. Um, you take away some of those compensations, sometimes they lose some of what they're looking for, what, what's what got them there and what's really going to make them good. So um, do we have certain things that we have goals for? Yes. Um, but in terms of how we move and that type of stuff, it's so individual individualized that um, – you know, sometimes you make that assessment and sometimes it's a general assessment and sometimes it's a real drill down assessment where we got to go, we got to dive into the year and get find out what the first thing that was happening was maybe possibly messing up. And was it, is it a move that can still stay there through compensation or is it something that needs to be, you know, cleaned up? So, but the cookie cutter approach doesn't work. I mean, the, this doesn't, you know, you have to have, adjustability not only in your swing but in your teaching process too i love that and and it's again it's it's compensators are real um and and something that i think that we we as all we all need to take in uh in account is uh like you mentioned compensators are sometimes what makes them really good and and whenever we look at things as black and white like ever like everybody does this and nobody does that (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm not, I'm not behind that. I think that again, success leaves clues, but also, um, what we see on video may not be what they feel. What we see on data may not be actually, you know, what's happening. And, and so just take it, looking at, at it as holistically as possible and then fitting in the pieces where we can find them. Uh, another question was, when are you guys going to call up Ryan Belade, uh, Oklahoma native kind of, <laughs> but he's, he's, uh, I, I know Jimmy pretty well and he's a good, good people. And I'm sure Ryan is, is exactly the same way. Yeah. Both of them are great. I, I actually knew James, uh, back from their Tulsa days when he was, uh, he was in Frisco. I was in Tulsa. We were coaching, uh, against each other at the same time there in that league. Um, didn't know Ryan at the time. Obviously I know Ryan very well. Uh, what a mm-hmm. good young man right there and uh, God, it keeps improving and keeps getting better. So we are thrilled to have him in our organization and, and we are excited for his future for sure. For sure. For sure. Another one, uh, do the Rockies use uh, hack attacks, uh, game sense or V flex for training? We, we use hack attacks. Um, I think everyone uses some version of hack attacks, mini hacks, big hacks. Um, but we use uh, spin ball machines. Um, I really think the big, one of the biggest things that have come o- come over the last couple of years is just the awareness of spin, awareness of spin off the pitcher's fingers, awareness of spin off of your bat. And Rapsoda mm-hmm. is a big part of that too. Um, I, you got to be careful with the big, the big machines because one of the reasons that when we were younger, what we didn't like hitting off machines is, is our coaches thought it was cool to go put it in, what was essentially 90 miles an hour from or 95 or whatever it was from 60 feet. Mm. And when you crank up those, those bottom levers, man, and, and the, the, the wheel is looking like it's going to fall off the machine because it's going so fast. 
that is when you get uncontrolled spin rate and the ball doesn't come down like normal gravity does. So, so, so that, that's, a tr that's a real, real piece there. You, you're not meant to be able to hit, I don't think, um, 3,900 RPM spin rate off a, off a machine from back there. So we use a machine. We generally use them between 40 to 50 feet um, and then mix it up with our spins, make sure there's some angle on it. And we, and, uh, but, you know, we, we try to make it as game-like as possible without making it uh, uh, something that is not feasible that you're going to see in the game. Because it's all about making – Everything should be about making you feel like you're a better hitter and, and you can compete better when you're in the your cleats are in the dirt. So uh, if it's something that's going to take away from that, then it's something that doesn't need to happen. And so I, I think the spin rate machines are great because you can control that spin rate and it's it's visible and you know you're able to create some angles with it and uh, you know really valuable things that uh, I think are a lot. Of, you know we are not the only team that are using those machines many many teams are using those machines and mm -hmm. i think that it's a uh, you know there's some good tools there i think everyone should be on a machine should be working with machines there is so much value to be gained through it uh, number one with the time constraint so the more times that you can kind of mix it up and do different things and, and create actual angles that are you're going to see in a game the better for the player as far as uh do you guys use vflex we do not we do not okay. Uh, I've seen it. I'm an ABCA guy, so I'm always I check sure. out all the new stuff, right? Um, mm -hmm. We there's a handful of stuff that we we will look at and dive into a little bit, but uh, stuff that uh, you know, I, I think there's value there. We we just we we don't use it right now, and uh, but I know there's some people and some programs that use it that uh, have found great success with it. Game sense at all. Game sense. Um, I'm. We we are uh, looking into that. We're there's okay. some there's some things there that uh, you know you know what's really happened with Dr. Patty. I think the stuff that he's starting to uh, over the last couple of years, this stuff's gotten really good. Um, and I think that uh, there's there's more and more um, excitement around it. And I think that uh, you know that you got your your virtual reality stuff that's out there, right? You got anything that is going to help you make a swing decision in your, in your opinion. And if it does, and if, if it, if you think it helps you, then man, use it. Right. Because if it, if it helps create confidence and you're able to carry confidence into the batter's box or wherever, man, this game is, is all about knocking your confidence down. So if the, if you're confident with, with, and you feel good about getting 20 reps on that or whatever prior to, then man, do it because I want I want all of our hitters carrying their confidence in that batter's box and putting their cleats in the dirt, thinking that they are the ultimate and they're going to be able to hit anyone and hit this pitch and go hunt well. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and and this is another another great question from the sidebar uh, talking about energy transfer. And I think uh, on the podcast that you did with Sheets, you talked a lot about that. Like that's one of one of the things you you believe in. Uh, he, Chris wants to know what, what cues do you use to kind of try and teach that, or maybe just how, sure. how do you teach that for younger hitters? Yeah. One of the, one of the cool things that, that has happened over the last couple of years is just the, the more clarification on force, force creation, transmission, all that stuff, uh, which is real, right. And how the, uh, you work in the kin kinematic ch chain as you're going through the process. 
it's all real. And the, uh, what I love is the terminology. I've been for 20 plus years now, I've been talking about energy transfer hitting. That's uh, That's been my term or the terms that we've used in my events and camps uh, all the way since I was a high school coach. Trying to in the It comes down to this. We're trying to create efficiently as much energy as we can create uh, structurally with the body that we have, which you can create a lot of force, a lot of energy uh, with the body. It doesn't matter how big you are. Obviously, the bigger guys can create a little bit more, but that also can get them in trouble. Um, and then, but creating it and then transferring it to and through the baseball, not just getting it to swing hard, not just getting it to have bat speed, but to actually go and compress the baseball the right way, hit the middle of the ball. Um, guys that tend to hit the slightly below the ball will hit the ball in the air a little bit more. Uh, compressing that ball to actually make that make that contact be solid, um, but <clears throat> those are really real cues. Those are that's the foundation for me is how are you creating it? Let's look at it. Let's watch and see how you're doing it. And if you can measure it somehow, there's a lot of great things that are very expensive out there that you can measure a lot of good stuff with. And there's other pieces of the puzzle that you can actually use that kind of show. They don't give you a number, but they can show the amount of force that you're creating. And can you actually then see if it's transferring into the baseball? And a lot of different ways you can, you can see that with exit velocity, with different types of things that you can read or, or measure. Uh, the spin that you're getting, are you clipping it? Are you hitting it straight? Or is your spin mm-hmm. low? Um, you know, the, the rap soda can help, help you with that as well. So there's some things that are out there that if you don't have all the money to be able to throw at, all the all the items that measure it and give you a number um, of the force. Uh, there's other pieces that you can look at to show that there probably is a, a good amount of force being transferred through that swing. So, those are the foundations. Are you how how efficient and are you creating it? And then are you are you actually transmitting it to and through the baseball with good compression? I love that, and that's a great answer. Um, I think that's uh, if any, if any of you other guys uh, have any questions on on the sidebar, throw them out there. But one that I had for you is we're all uh, in a state of pause right mm-hmm. now, and uh, the the first aspect of that is is communicating with with your players. Uh, right now, it, it's you know besides the hey how are you doing check ins. I mean, is there is there any? And again, we have we have coaches from all different levels, and so they can all take something away from this of just trying to make sure that that they're doing okay. But uh, how have you been uh, as far as just your communication, um, how often and different things like that? Yeah, just, you know, just trying to make sure that uh, everyone's on uh, doing well. Number one, they're healthy. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually starting another sling and slew of calls and, and texts coming up this week. Um, and when you have a hundred plus guys, right, it's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it sounds overwhelming, but on a, Honestly, when you love what you do, it's it's just it's just it's like talking to your guys, man. You're just getting getting that. ready. Um, I think that that piece is huge. It's just just the check-in time, like you said. That's the most important thing. We don't have anything that's going on that we know. Hey, by uh, this date, we're we're going to be there. So you need to make sure you can start backdating and start rolling through your process. Um, the the cool but weird thing <laughs> is that we spent you know ten days of spring training with them, all of mm-hmm. our minor league guys. And before that, you know, our guys do a great job. So they're there early. I mean, we had 80% of our guys there two, three weeks early, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome. Because now you get, now you're pulling double duty, right? You're doing the big league stuff. And mm-hmm. then you go out and if you don't have a game that day or even in between right before the game, if you're playing at home with the big leagues, you can go out and actually watch some of the minor league guys hit. 
and see how they're doing, see how they're moving, just to say hello, hugs, all that stuff, and, and getting back into the routine that we normally have. So right now it's more, you know, just the technology pieces. You know, you got your phone, you got your um, different ways to approach, video being sent back and forth. Um, what do you think of this? And I'm, I'm doing this. Because this can also be a tinkering time too. And I mentioned on the last thing I was on is, is when you have time <laughs> and you know you're not playing in a game for a while, that's when uh, one of the things that I'm not nervous about but I'm just aware of is mm-hmm. who are my tinkers and how are those guys doing? That's are they real. jumping into certain th- things? It is really real. And mm-hmm. are they jumping into, man, if I could just do that a little bit more, I think I mm-hmm. might be able to get that ball in the air a little bit more if I try this, this, or this. Or if I open my stance or close my stance and then you find out that, you know, or they find out that, you know, off a tee or a flip, man, I feel great. And then they get out of machine and they're getting blown up left and right. Um, they have created different um, movement patterns that are, are taking away some of their space, their time. And, and uh, when that happens, whoo, people can go, not sideways right away, but definitely to a point where it's a reminder of, hey, Okay. Okay. Now in detail, tell me exactly what you were doing for two and a half months when you were home. Tell mm-hmm. me about 80% of it was teased, right? Yes. Were you looking up? Were you, well, were there was times, were there, were there times where you just go and hit a hundred tees? Cause that's where I think you can lose your focus a little bit. And, and so just understanding where they're at, understanding um, what each guy needs. Some guys, you know, love to talk more. Some guys uh, journal with me. So, I mean, it's some good stuff uh, uh, all around. Sorry, I muted myself there. Uh, and another thing that you get the the really cool aspect of is getting to see the minor league every single level. And I'm sure you visit the different levels and you've worked in different levels. Uh, but but one thing that, that Rob asked was, uh, is there a difference in how the best hitters within the organization prepare and those who don't quite have that consistency? And uh, is there a difference in every one of the levels within that? Good question. Um, yes. Most of it is like you talked about through maturity. Most young guys think that they, to get to the big leagues quicker, if I take 25 more swings, I'm going to get there quicker. Um, the guys that can understand that they're really good and that when, when you get to a point where I feel it or even just taking a full day off because your swing should not change much in the day if you're going to take a day off and you need a day off, they're able to do that. <clears throat> we'll, we'll have younger kids out of college. <clears throat> the interesting piece is the college guys that come in the, from the draft, right? Because they have played. They played all fall. They did the individual workouts. They're swinging a ton, right, which is great. Um, but then they get in the games, and especially if they went heavy into the playoffs for their college team, and then they get drafted by us. And then especially hitters because they jump right in and they're, they're taking as many at-bats as they can get, right? Then you get to July. <clears throat> And in July, you, you realize that things change because their body gets tired. And this can happen for a high school player that's not used to it, that plays six, you know, which could happen in some of these states that, that do bring back high school baseball even this spring, is they're going to play six games in nine days. That is not a normal high school situation. And they might be really tired. Maybe, they, maybe they're going to have more value taking a day off. Um, I think that as you go up the chain, uh, and some guys, some older guys still have longer like swing prep times and, and, but it's what they do. They, they feel like that's important to them. 
They they know that it works for them. It's it's offered them a lot of success. It's been a, a staple for them, and with a lot of their successes, and they know that they're just going to keep it rolling. Um, where young guys will try different things, grasp on different things, and and maybe see stuff. And <laughs> you know, you got the twitters, you got the different coaches, you got you know, everyone's trying to help them. Mm-hmm. I get it. I mean, we all want the, our players to do well, right? No one's no one's in the background going, oh, I got this drill. I'm going to really mess this kid up, right? Um, but it's what does that kid really need now? What, what What's really important for him? How careful with getting too complicated versus getting into complicated or just high, high, high volume for no reason. Sure. Um, again, funneling that into a situation where you are getting better with fewer swings and feeling it with fewer swings. That's what we're dealing with with my – with my son, not that he's a heavy swing guy when he, if I'm not around, but he, he will tend to, hey, stay focused on what you're doing. When you feel it, stop, move on to the next thing. And that's that's the cool part of seeing that as you go forward. You get to see that with your young kids that come from the draft, whether it's high school, college, doesn't matter. Right. Can How soon can they understand that it's not about the quantity, it's about the quality of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And the quality of, does it help you at 7.05? If it doesn't help you at 7.05, man, I'm okay with a couple of little swing prep drills if they make you feel good. But if there's excess, just excess of stuff in there, skin that fat away. Let's get to the real meat here. And let's really make sure that what you're doing is preparing you out there. Cause there's going to be days where you have rain outs. There's going to be days where you can't get in the cage for whatever reason. They're using mm-hmm. in the minor leagues. They're using it for storage area for the day or whatever, whatever weird right. stuff is going on uh-huh. where you can't get in there or the bus doesn't go in. Can you show up, get seven, eight swings of feel, or maybe you can get your feel work on, on dry swings or whatever, and or into a sock net, and go be ready and feel good about being ready to go, not just, uh, you know, faking it and then going. Because, you, you know, I, most of the time, and I don't know if you've done this a lot yet, but our guys, doesn't matter what level it is, we all, they all need to be reminded how good they are. And mm-hmm. don't ever forget how good you are. I, I say that all the time. Just, hey, man, I know you're concerned about this and that. You're going to break out of it because you cannot – do not forget how good you are. Watch some great video of when you were, when you were feeling good or when you were really performing in the games. That's the dude that's in there. Don't forget about how good you are. No, I love that. And, uh, and like you mentioned, I think that we do uh, – I think that we do forget about that. What uh, what does the end game conversation look like? Do you uh, and this is this is a couple guys on the sidebar here. Do you talk about mechanics at all? And if so, what what does that sound like? And if not, what do you talk about instead? Try not to try not to talk about mechanics. Doesn't matter what level again, right? Because if they start thinking about if they start clogging their brain with different levels of thought, and they try to get in the batter's box, and their levels of thought are thicker and, and thicker. Doug Chadwick and I worked uh, hand in hand with a lot of this stuff, our mental skills guy with the Rockies and how simple can we make it, man? How simple can we make it? The, the process is I, I'd rather talk in feels because feels can be translated to the game. I think way better than uh, I'm going to get my elbow up, elbow down. I'm going to get wider, going to get narrower. And there's some things that, you know, might work on a certain guy move up in the box because a guy throws a bunch of slow curveballs. And you're able to now take, take away some of that break and you're able to catch that ball where you want to catch it, not where he wants you to catch it and roll over or pop up. Um, more of that, more approach, more plan, more how do you feel, how do you see it off this guy um, situation? And then 
you know, try to adjust as needed. That's fantastic. And uh, if you've got time for one more, I think this is another really good one is what's your process in helping players that are struggling throughout the season? Uh, do you work on mechanics or do you focus on the mental side uh, or do you work backwards from game results and start with swing decisions? Great, great question, Rob. <laughs> yeah, that's a loaded question. That's a good one. That's a good one to end on. Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. On all fronts. Uh, it really depends on the guy because you might watch you might watch him swing and you're like wow okay I'm just going to go back I'm going to backlog all my videos that I have I'm going to go look and see if there's number one let's see if there's anything physically moving here that is really different Um, and then as you go through that process is he going through a process that is that is helping him not see the ball as well is he losing space, space between himself and the plate and or space between him and the pitcher? Um, is that affecting – if there's space getting affected from between the plate and himself especially, he, that's going to change his hand path. It's going to change how he actually moves. His hips have to move even more efficiently to Sorry do that. Setup. And when you're – yeah, just set up or even just stride or even just, okay. you know, the direction piece of where your pelvis starts moving towards. You know, that's why video from the back, I think, is so valuable. Sure. Uh, I think that little things like that can really – it might be the same swing, but they're just moving. Maybe they're, they're stepping in a little bit more, or they're getting tired, so they're not turning as efficiently as they normally would. And their hips, instead of opening up, are actually kind of diving in. And he's getting blown up on every pitch, and he's flaring balls for no reason, which, uh, okay. which, which can happen. Um, maybe mm-hmm. you uh, – you know, I always, I always try to go back to space – space and direction and if if it can really if there's anything that's that's muddling up that that position or or if there's positions that are muddling up those that space and direction piece um i think that's important i think the mental game to see just where they're at because we've all been there man i mean i had a guy in the new york pen league with the with marlins who literally started his season out 0 for 27, 0 for 27. So when he finally got his first hit, it was like 0 60 or 0 40 or whatever it was. And it was just a mental grind. Like, Hey, and the guy like 290 the year before, I'm like, Hey, don't forget how good you are. Don't, don't, I mean, just remember, cause this is, we all have stretches, right? Some, some, sometimes our 0 for 18 stretches aren't real noticeable because they're already after 300 at bats in the, in the minor leagues, at least, you know what I mean? And when you, when you have that, when it's, when it's the beginning of the season and you're, you're, you're in game nine mm-hmm. or eight and you're still looking for that first piece. And then when you get that first piece, then the next day it's oh forty three is your batting average. That looks great on the screen too. Right. Um, oh yeah. And, but the process of understanding who you are and trusting and that kid that did that actually led the league in doubles that year. Uh, so obviously it was just, we are all going to have different times where we struggle, right? It's just the way the game is. I pray for all players mentally more than anything that it's not early in the season, you know, that they get a couple hits so right. they don't have to see for a month and a half that they're hitting 189. Um, you know, all that stuff, whether we want to say it or not, it affects the mind. And the ones that are really, truly mentally strong and truly understand and know how good they are will we'll bounce out of that and get forward with it. Some guys just need a restart, too. You know, sometimes, sometimes you need a couple days off. Sometimes, sometimes mm-hmm. you need to just sit back. Maybe there's a swing change involved. Maybe it's a situation where there was less buy-in, and and you knew that it's you know it's second or third year, and you didn't do it much with them this first or second year, and you're like, okay, at some point, 
the game's going to let you know. The game lets us know. The game lets us know when we're done playing, right? The game's going to let you know when, when you need to make an adjustment. And if you're aware and really pay attention to that, you can learn a lot about, number one, how they're pitching you. Are they able to continually and continuously get you out in that same spot? And if that is the case and you're still going after that pitch, there's some changes that need to be made. Um, sometimes it's more mental than physical. Sometimes it's physical and mental together. Um, but it's always about, you know, can you carry your confidence? Because when you walk in that batter's box and you've got your cleats in the dirt and you are not, you're like, oh, here we go. Great. I'm left-handed and I got, I'm got I get to face Chris Sale and whatever, right? Sure, and it's like, right. here we go, just battling it out and see, and just praying to get a hit. Don't don't be chasing hits, man. Chase fields that actually work for you that you can take in the batter's box, and allow your your body to move athletically, see the ball well, and go get it. So, um, I would say yes on all points, and I mm -hmm. really think that uh, it's important to understand that there's not one answer for every for that situation because every kid filters it and looks at things differently. Well, Darren, I think I speak for all of us when I say thank you so much for joining us today. And, and we put you through the ringer with some really tough questions and you came out on the other side. Uh, man, it, fantastic. Uh, but for our podcast listeners, if they are listening to this uh, tomorrow, the next day, next week, next month, next year, is there a way that they can get in touch with you in case they would like to? Yeah, for me, it's the, the Twitter, Everson Base, at Everson Baseball is probably the best way. DMs are, I mean, People can DM me anytime they have questions, that type of stuff. Um, I think that uh, it's a great way to communicate and create a lot of relationships that way. Uh, I think initially that's how you and I got together for the mm -hmm. first time. And uh, I'm, uh, I don't know if they're going to give me another shot, so I'm going to say it right now. I, I have been listening to your podcast for all these years now, for the last couple. And, and just you do, you do a great job. I think it's been three. Is that right? How long has it been? Yeah, three yesterday. Three I, plus, right? popped up yeah. on my uh, Facebook feed. Uh, it was crazy. Yeah. So that's – and it's it's stuff that um, – I'm a podcast – I don't want to say junkie, but if mm -hmm. it's something I know is going to be valuable, I'm in. And mm -hmm. I will listen to a whole podcast. And if I get one thing out of trying to figure out how to say the same thing a little bit differently, mm -hmm. that's, that's where I've really gained uh, just more and more layers of the onion knowledge <laughs> – and you are, you're definitely a part of that. So I appreciate what you do with the podcast and all the information that you throw out there. It's good stuff for people to, to really dive into and grasp on that can, that can make a difference uh, with our kids. And that's the important part. Well, I appreciate it, Darren. Have an awesome day. Uh, guests, thank you for listening. Uh, selfless plug on the podcast. I do appreciate that as well. Uh, but again, thank, thank you from all of us uh, who are getting to share you and uh, have an awesome day. We'll talk to you guys later. Thanks, man. You too. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, which can include Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or YouTube. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it on social media to help get the word out. Once again, thank you for joining us.